0: Take your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 1, please. Matthew chapter 1. And once you find Matthew chapter 1, I'd like for you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 9, please. We have two passages this morning that we're going to be looking into. Matthew chapter 1 and then Isaiah chapter 9. And we'll start in Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to read a few verses out of this chapter, you follow along with me. We'll begin in verse 21 and read down to verse 25. The Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took him unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Turn over to Isaiah 9 now, and I want you to look at one verse with me. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Several times in these two passages of Scripture, we see that there's a particular name uh, that God said uh, would be unto this child. This child's name would, would was given particularly by God, and I'm going to preach to you this morning on the on this. And this is the title of the message: His name shall be called. A name is a is is an important thing. Uh, maybe not as much in our day as it was in the Old Testament times, but a name is still important. A name is a title by which a person is designated from another person. We have different names and it identifies who we are. It's a way for us to tell people, places and things apart. And in our day, names maybe don't mean uh, as much and maybe don't have as much significance. You know, parents will name their children based on uh, on something that sounds good, something that they like. That's typically how it goes. For us, names uh, maybe aren't quite as, as impactful in their meaning as they were in the Old Testament. And I say that because, I, because of this. In the Old Testament, a name actually stood for a person's reputation. A name stood for their fame. A name stood for their glory. And parents would name their children with names that would describe what the parents hope Or future expectation of that child was. And so names weren't necessarily given because it sounded cool or or they liked the sound of it, but for a meaning. Uh, And in fact, in the Old Testament, the word that is translated as name in the Old Testament literally means a mark or a brand. And so it was something that was particular. It was something that was that was important, and people were given their names for a very particular reason. And if you do a, a Bible study on names, it'll reveal a lot about the personality of the people that you're talking about. For example, the name Abraham actually means father of a multitude. That was a brand. That was a mark for Abraham. The name Jacob means trickster or supplanter, which is interesting. You look at the character and the nature of Jacob. Goliath. Uh, you remember the story of David and Goliath. Goliath means splendor or majestic. All of these people that I just described, and we could go on and on with different names, but all these people that I just described, they proved what their name meant. And so It was a particular thing, an important thing, and in the message this morning, I want to talk to you about the name, a name we all know, certainly, but look at the name that's mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, and if you turn back over there with me, the Bible says in verse 21, "...and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus." For he shall save his people from their sins. There's something special about the name of Jesus. And it was a name given to him by God himself. It was a name given to him by Jehovah God, the creator. The name Jesus is a name that is a name that's exalted by God. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Just keep your place here. In Philippians chapter 2, And look at verse 9, Philippians 2, in verse 9, the Bible says, "...wherefore God also hath highly exalted him," that's speaking of Jesus, "...and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's been given a name that's above every name. He's been given a name by God Himself, and when the name of Jesus is mentioned, men should bow before Him and confess Him as Lord. His name is a special name, the name of Jesus. And I want to preach this morning, On this thought, His name shall be called. And I want to give you some biblical reasons why His name is truly a name above all other names. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd help us now with Your Word. And I do, again, pray for uh, liberty from the Spirit of God to be able to preach and to expound on Your Word. And Lord, I pray that You would take the Word of God and plant it in the hearts of people today. May we rejoice in Jesus Christ May we rejoice in our Savior, and we do pray for those that are lost, that have never been saved, that they'd be drawn to Jesus Christ today. In His name we pray, amen. Go back to Matthew chapter 1, and the first principle or thought that I want to draw out of our passage this morning is that the name of Jesus, His name, reveals His person. Look with me in verse 23. The Bible says, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. His name reveals his person. His name reveals who he is. The Bible says his name would be called Emmanuel and Emmanuel means God with us. I think that's a pretty powerful thought, right there. That his name reveals who he is. It reveals the fact that when when Jesus came into this world, when he was born, listen. And we don't we don't celebrate the birth of Jesus, not in the sense that hey, it's a birthday, yay. And no, we celebrate the 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 birth of Jesus Christ for this reason, that he came into this world for a particular purpose. He came into this world to die for the sins of men. He was born to die. We, we celebrate because of the reason that he came into this world. And it tells us something about his birth. It reveals to us that he's a supernatural baby, that he was a supernatural baby. He wasn't uh, just a a, a normal uh, human, a person with a sin nature. He wasn't just another child, but he was God in human flesh. That God came into this, into the thing that he created, he stepped into for a particular reason. In John chapter 1, in verse 1, the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the Word, the Word, was with God, and the Word was God. And when you get down to verse 14 of John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that the Word, who was God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Go to Philippians chapter 2 again. We were there a minute ago. But in Philippians chapter 2, let's... Go back a few verses and look in verse 5, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. The Bible says, "...let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus." So Jesus is the the subject now. "...who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation... And took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians reminds us that Jesus Christ was in heaven. He was uh, in uh, he was uh, 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 experiencing and and holding on to the, the glory that he had with the Father. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ uh, was, was made in the likeness of men, and He humbled Himself, and He set aside some of His heavenly splendor and in His heavenly glory to come to this earth in the fashion of a man to go to the cross, to die for the sins of, the, of mankind. His name reveals His person, Emmanuel, God with us. He wasn't just another child. He was a supernatural baby. It reveals also to us a supernatural birth. Again, His name reveals His person, God, with us. His name reveals a supernatural birth. The Bible tells us that a virgin would be with child, He was virgin born. That virgin birth produced a child who was without a sin nature, the sin nature that you and I all share because of Adam, our head, our 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 father. But that wasn't Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter seven, Isaiah chapter seven. I'll read this to you. If you get there quickly, you can follow along. But in Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 22, the Bible says this. In 1 Peter 2, verse 22, who did no sin, this is speaking of Jesus Christ, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. First Peter 2.22 says he did no sin. He was without sin. This virgin birth produced a child without a sin nature. And that's significant and important because He would become the Lamb of God, which would take away the sin of the world. So the question is, why would God enter into this world? His name is Emmanuel, God with us, dwelling among us. Why would God enter into this world? Well, He came to fight a battle that humanity could never wage, and humanity could never win. He came to win victory over sin. Win victory over death. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord that Jesus Christ came into this world. His name reveals who He is. Secondly, His name reveals His purpose. Go back to Matthew chapter 1 and look in verse 21. His name reveals His purpose. In verse 21, the Bible says, "...and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus." And here's the reason why. "...for he shall save his people from their sins." What is his purpose? His purpose was to save his people from their sins. Do you know the name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation? That's what his name means. Jehovah God is salvation. And it speaks to us, listen, it speaks to us of his desire and his heart. What what do I mean by that? Well, the name Jesus reveals to us a God who has a desire in his heart to save sinners, The Bible says His name shall be called Jesus because, for, because He shall save His people from their sins. It tells us the heart of God toward you and toward me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. 2 Peter 3.9, I quoted this verse earlier. That God is not willing or wanting or desiring that any should perish. To perish means to forever be separated from God in the lake of fire. God doesn't want anyone to experience that. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we're told that Jesus came into this world not to condemn the world, not to condemn the lost, but to save them. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 16. Again here in this passage, we see the heart of God toward mankind. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the truth here, and we'll read on in just a second, but the truth is is that mankind in his natural sinful state is going to perish. We're born with the sin nature from Adam. And if we die with our sin nature in our natural normal state, we are going to perish. But God so loved you, and He loved you so much, that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see the heart of God here, this was the heartbeat of God to save sinners. His name shall be called Jesus because for he shall save his people from their sins. The desire in the heart of God was there before even the worlds were formed. Did you know that? Go back over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 In verse 18 1 Peter 1.18 says to us here, "...for as much as ye you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold..." from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. He says you're not redeemed. You can't buy your salvation. You can't buy it with gold or silver. Your traditions of religion, they can't save you. Your rituals of religion can't save you. Doing your Hail Marys and taking communion and getting baptized. and None of those things can save you. You're not redeemed with corruptible things. That's not where it's found. And then he says this, In verse 19, here's how you're redeemed. With the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He was made known in these last times for you. What is is this verse telling us? It's telling us there's only one way of redemption. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, in his foreknowledge, before he ever formed the world, he knew that he would create man. He knew that he would give man a a will who could choose for himself. He knew that man would sin. He knew that man would fall. He knew that man would be condemned because of his sin. But God didn't want that to happen, and so God stepped into his own creation. To redeem sinful men with his own blood. That's why he came into this world for you. Without Jesus Christ and without his shed blood, there is no hope for your soul. But praise the Lord, God stepped into his own creation to redeem sinful men. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior this morning? What are you trusting in for your eternity? When you leave this life, and you will, make no mistake about it, we all die, you'll leave this life. Where are you going to go? Your religion is not going to save you. Good works are not going to save you. The fact that you think that you're a pretty decent person, a good person, is not going to save you. We're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. He was born to die. Praise the Lord. For his perfect plan of salvation redemption jehovah is salvation it speaks to the heart of god toward you and me amen Amen. god's plan was conceived in eternity past and consummated in time and for that we ought to rejoice i can know forgiveness of my sin i can know peace with god because of god himself it speaks of god's desire for mankind, but it also speaks of his deliverance. The name Jesus reminds us that he came into this world for the sole purpose of setting captives free. In Luke chapter 4, I'll just read this verse to you quickly. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 18, the Bible says, Here's Jesus. Speaking, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He said, God has sent me to preach the gospel. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. What is that talking about? What does that mean? Listen, we're the ones who are the captives. We're captive to our sin. We're slaves to our sin. And Jesus Christ came into this world to set captives free. That's you and me. To set us free from our sin. Why is there such a thing as alcoholism? Why is there such a thing as drug addiction? Why is there such a thing, all of these these things in this world that that destroy and and ruin lives? Why? Because we're captive to our sin. We're slaves to it. And the only thing that can truly set a person free is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can truly set a person free. At liberty, He came to redeem the lost. And the only way the sin problem of mankind could have been dealt with is through the shedding of Jesus' blood. Jesus came that He might die on the cross to set you free from your sin. It speaks of His deliverance. He desired to save you. And He desired it so much that He made a plan to deliver you. Amen? It speaks of His his name, Jehovah is salvation. It speaks of who He is, Emmanuel, God with us. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says that He gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God the Father. He gave Himself for our sins. To deliver us amen are you saved this morning have you been set free from your sin then rejoice in Jesus Christ God our Savior amen, amen. now go to Isaiah chapter 9 and thirdly I want to point out that his name reveals his power His name reveals His person, God, with us. His name reveals His purpose. Jehovah is salvation. But His name also reveals His power. Isaiah 9, 6, "...for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given." and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His name shall be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Do you Notice that The word name here is in singular form and not plural. You notice that? You've got wonderful and counselor and the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, but it's all singular. Jesus displays all of these characteristics at the same time. In one name, his name shall be called. Wonderful. What does that mean? His name shall be called Wonderful. It means he's the supernatural one. This word, wonderful, it means miracle. It means supernatural. It means extraordinary. That's what his name is. His name shall be called Wonderful. The supernatural one. The miracle one. The extraordinary one. Amen? That's why his name is above every name. There's no one like him. He is truly the miracle man. Men cannot comprehend Him. We cannot wrap our brains around His majesty and who He is. We can't, he, he's, he's incomprehensible to mankind as far as His nature goes and as far as His power goes. That is true, but here's the truth of the matter. Even though we cannot fully comprehend Him, He can still be believed on even by the smallest of children. Amazing. 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 He is wonderful. Amen. His name shall be called Wonderful, the supernatural one. His name shall be called Counselor. Jesus displays all of these characteristics in one name. Counselor. He's the supervising one. You know what the word counselor means? It means to advise, it means to counsel, it means to purpose, it means to devise a plan. And here, this is awesome, this is awesome. It refers to his role as the leader and guiding force in your life. If you will bow to him, if you'll let him. He is wonderfully qualified to lead and to guide. He's the one who is the planner of the path. He's got a path planned out for your life when you submit your will to Him. He's not going to force you. But when you bow before Him and you submit your will to Him, He's the one who will set you on the path. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 tells us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him, and here's it is, Here's what it is, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. You trust in the Lord, and you acknowledge him, and you don't lean on your own understanding. Listen, in all of your ways, he promised he'll direct your path. He'll set you on the right course. He'll bring you to that expected end, because he loves you. Amen? He's the counselor. The supervising one. How many people's lives are ruined because they keep trying to run it themselves? What are you searching for? What are you searching for? Some sort of fulfillment in this life? Something that's going to bring you satisfaction? Something you think, oh, I've got this. If I can just keep going after this and keep getting that, I'm going to find this peace and this satisfaction that I'm longing for, some peace in my soul. But you keep struggling and struggling and struggling over and over and over again. And why? Because you are, you are trying to run your own life and you're not submitting to the Lord. You need to let go, friend. You'll find peace. Peace when you finally submit yourself to God, but you're ruining your life, you're not happy, you're miserable, and you know it, when are you going to let go? When are you going to submit to God? When you do, you're going to find that He is the one who can direct your path. And He is the one who can bring you to that expected end, which is good for your soul. Amen? That wasn't part of the message. It's not even in my notes. But the Lord meant it for something. Praise the Lord. He's the supervising one. He's wonderful. He's the counselor. The mighty God. That's the next one. The mighty God. He's the sovereign one. You know what the word mighty means here? It means valiant. It means basically hero. (laughs) That's what it means. He's a superhero. He's the real superhero if you want to do it that way. He's the mighty God. He's the valiant one. He's the hero. It refers to one who is strong, one who is mighty, one who is invincible. He alone is worthy to be your hero. Why is he the hero? Because he's the one who's actually defeated all our enemies. What is the enemy of mankind? Death. The grave? Hell? Sin? That's the enemy of mankind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can turn over there and look in verse 55, 1 Corinthians 15, Oh, death, where is thy sting? I'll wait for you to get there. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 55, look at it. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where is victory over sin? Where is victory over death? And the grave, it's through Jesus Christ. He is the mighty God. He's the valiant one. He's the strong one, the invincible one. He's the one who's defeated our enemies. He alone is worthy of our worship because of this. Listen, listen, I said this already, and I'll say it again right now. One of these days, you're going to leave this life, and there's nobody who can cheat death. We try, mankind tries. Coming up with trying to come up with all kinds of uh, uh, things to make people still young and live forever, but it's not possible in this mortal flesh. Your flesh is going to die. You cannot cheat death. Ecclesiastes chapter eight. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, chapter eight. If you're not there, just listen. Verse eight says, "There is no man." That hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. The Bible says there's nobody who has power to hold on to the Spirit. There's nobody in the day of death who can defeat death. When that day comes, there's nothing you can do. You're going to die. Nobody can cheat death. And Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. After you die comes the judgment. Where will you go when you die, friend? Because every man is going to see the grave. But what about after that? You don't cease to exist. You don't go out into nothingness and nirvana and bliss and whatever. You don't come back again in in another form. Your soul lives on. What about after you die? Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope for your soul. But thank the Lord. He's the mighty God. He's the sovereign one who's the one who has defeated death and sin and hell. Amen. And if you'll bow your will to Him, repenting of your sin, you can receive eternal life. The gift of God. The greatest gift ever given. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Not only that, but He's the everlasting Father. The everlasting Father. He is truly everlasting. You understand what that word means? He's the sustaining one then, if He's the everlasting Father. And it means this. It means this to us. There was never a time when God was not. And there will never be a time when He is not. He's everlasting. He's always existed. He will ever exist. He's called the great I Am, the self sustaining, self existent one. You know what? Your life is tied directly to Him. Your life is tied directly to Him. Because Jesus lives, you can live. He's the everlasting Father, the sustaining one. He's the Prince of Peace. It means the satisfying one. The word peace here in Isaiah 9 6 refers to a state of happiness, well being, prosperity. He's the Prince of Peace. The word Prince speaks of a captain, a steward, a keeper. In other words, he is the captain of peace, the captain of your peace. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of our peace. First of all, He accomplished peace with God when He died on the cross. In 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, in verse 2, The Bible says that He, that's Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The key word here is propitiation. He, Jesus Christ, is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It means an appeasement. It means an appeasement of God's wrath. In other words, God's wrath hangs on us. God's wrath abides on us. We're not, we're not friends with God in our natural state, in our sinful state. We're enemies of God. And we deserve the wrath of God, and it abides on us. But Jesus Christ is the propitiation, the appeasement of God's wrath for our sin. Listen, He accomplished peace with God for you through His shed blood. You and I are enemies of God in our natural state, but we can become the sons of God and be translated from going from being an enemy of God with the wrath of God abiding on me to being a son of God. Now he's my father, and Jesus Christ is the one who appeased the wrath of God because he shed his blood for you. And so he accomplished peace with God when he died on the cross. Secondly, he extends his peace to all of those who would receive him by faith. You believe on the name of Jesus Christ and you repent of your sin. He extends his peace to you by faith. And then thirdly, he provides his peace to all those who would trust in him throughout life. Life is full of valleys. Life is full of trouble. But we can still know peace in our soul. There's some of you in this, in this room this morning who don't have any peace in your soul. And some of you who might even be saved, but you're still struggling. You still don't have peace in the trials of life. You're not trusting in the Lord. But Jesus Christ is the captain of our peace. Through Him, we can know peace with God. Through Him, we can experience peace in this life, even through the valleys of life. We did a whole study in Philippians chapter 4 regarding the issue of of fear and anxiety and how we can know peace even in the middle of all of that. Philippians 4 in verse 6 says, be careful or don't be, don't be full of worry. Don't be full of anxiety. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He extends his peace, God's peace, even in the trials of life. And maybe you're here today and your life is in turmoil. You just can't seem to get it together. There's no peace in your life. You can't seem to find happiness. You can't seem to find joy. It's a struggle. Oh, and you'll tell yourself all kinds of things to try to convince yourself that you're doing okay, to try to convince yourself that you're happy. But you're not. You just can't seem to pull it together. Well, my friend, Jesus Christ is what you need. He's what you need. You need to surrender your life and the control of your life and let Him change you. Let him lead you. His name shall be called. His name tells us of who he is God, Jehovah God with us. What a gift. His name tells us of his purpose. Jehovah is salvation. And his name tells us of his power, all that he is. What's in a name? Well, if the name is Jason Demlo, it doesn't mean much. But if the name is Jesus, it means everything. His name is the source of our salvation. His name is the hope of your heart. His name can break the bonds of sin. His name can lift the greatest burden of the heart. It can comfort the brokenhearted. His name is a name that speaks of a Savior, a God who loves you, a God who loves me. His name is everything. His name unlocks the door to heaven. His name saves the vilest of sinners. His name redeems the blackest of souls. His name is everything. His name is Jesus. You can learn a lot about Him. Simply from his name. But the most important is this Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no one like Jesus, there's no greater name. Do you know Jesus Christ? On a personal level? You can. Are you submitting your life to Him, your will to Him today? Let's bow before the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father. Thank you, Lord, for God, for your perfect plan of redemption for mankind. Thank you for stepping into eternity into time. into your own creation for the purpose of redeeming sinful men. Thank you for the name that is above every name. And Lord, I pray that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow And we can do that willingly now. Or one day, in eternity, every knee will bow, either by choice or by force. And every tongue will confess Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. Lord, I pray this morning, first of all, for God's people that we would be ever more thankful for Jesus Christ, that we would rejoice in Him, celebrate Him, because we can know and we do know the peace of God and peace with God because of Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for the lost person today. Lord, that they would finally submit and surrender their will that it's confession of sin, it's repentance toward God, it's faith in Jesus Christ alone that brings about the salvation of the soul. We can't earn our salvation. We're not good people. We can't purchase it or buy it. We can't work for it. There's no good deed that we could do. We can't be religious enough to earn favor with God. We never could. We cannot win that battle. We cannot earn a victory. Only Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, who gave Himself for our sin to deliver us. Lord, I pray that You would draw the lost person today to Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.